Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for October 22nd, 2018. Uh, I hope you guys had a good weekend. Now, I don't, if you ever upload anything to iTunes or SoundCloud, it'll just automatically play like the first like five to ten seconds or whatever. Like as soon as it's finished uploading, it just starts playing. And that's the only part of the podcast that I'll ever listen back to is those first five seconds just because it happens automatically after I upload it. And I was thinking about how it sounds really annoying to me when I, when I say the date at the top every time. Uh, the reason I do that is there was a guy like about a year ago now when I was doing the podcast with Matt who listened to an old football podcast to make baseball DFS lineup somehow and it didn't go well for him unsurprisingly and he got really mad at me about it so at the time we would just say the day we didn't say the date so I started putting in the the month and then I just started to say the year also kind of as like an inside joke to Matt and I just because it was so ridiculous how this guy used the podcast to make lineups for like the wrong date and the wrong sport. Uh, so I was like, okay, if anybody ever does this, here's the exact year that the podcast was recorded. And I just kind of kept doing that forever. So if anybody wonder why I say, why I say the year at the, at the beginning, that's, that's the reason why. Uh, so pretty exciting weekend. We had the, uh, big brawl in the Lakers Rockets game which is going to have some significance to this slate because the Lakers are playing and Rajon Rondo and Brandon Ingram are both suspended. Um, how do you guys feel about those kind of brawls? Do you enjoy cuz I really enjoy them. Do you enjoy them? Like leave leave me a comment let let me know what your thoughts are when you see that kind of stuff cuz I know some people see that and they're like, "Oh, no, like that that like that ruins the sport. It's bad for bad for basketball or bad for MMA or whatever when uh, like the McGregor Khabib fight happened. For me though, like I love watching and it's it's cool as long as as long as there isn't any kind of like significant injury or anything like that that happens. Like this, there was just a couple of a couple of jabs were kind of thrown. But then afterwards, like I was up all night like watching videos of it online. I'm listening to people's interviews. So it definitely has me more engaged with the sport when that kind of nonsense happens. So I enjoy that kind of drama, all the Jimmy Butler nonsense, all of that. I kind of like the side stories of the NBA. Uh, so for Monday's DFS slate we have nine games, and not only are there not, well, I don't know. Why I would say not only there was that was <laughs> that was irrelevant. But we have nine games, but of those nine games, a lot of them look like blowouts. We have one, two, three, five games with double-digit point spreads right now. So as I'm going about building lineups tomorrow, I think for cash games, you want to focus on the games that have the tight spreads, and then the bigger ones would be GPP only, and you kind of want to stack a game that has that large of a spread, in my opinion. The reason being that a, a game that has like a 12 or 13 point spread like some of these have, there's a pretty good chance we don't see the starters in the fourth quarter. And if you're going to pick players from, say, Boston and the Warriors in the same GPP lineup tomorrow, for that lineup to have a chance at winning, or taking first place, you need both of those games to stay close, which isn't all that likely. So I think you're better off if you're going to take, say, like Warriors players, you want to run it back with Phoenix players. If you want to play Boston players, you want to run it back with Orlando players. Uh, but I'll get into some of the individual games right now. Uh, I'm definitely going to have more exposure to the games with the closer spread, and then maybe a couple of the larger spread ones I will make stacks of, but focus safer plays the games that shouldn't be blowouts so the first game on the slate is the orlando magic at the boston celtics this is one of the ones with the large spreads 
Uh, we have the Celtics are 12-point favorites at home against the Magic. Now, the Magic, if you look at them, the minutes have been pretty spread, particularly in the front court, except for last game where Vucevic just went nuts. He had a huge game, triple-double, scored, what was it, like 60 fantasy points. But if you look at the games before that, he played 22 minutes and 28 minutes. If you look at him 7,700 against one of the better defenses in the league in the Celtics, I, I don't I, I don't think this is a good spot for him. The price is up a little bit. Uh, overall, the only guy in the Magic who I look at is real, a couple guys who really have upside in their price tags would be Evan Fournier and Jonathan Isaac. Definitely can't roster either of them in cash game because of the blowout risk, as I was saying before. But for GPPs, if this is the game you want to stack, which not really a lot of interest in it for me, it would be Isaac and Fournier would be guy, would be the guys from the Orlando side. And then the Boston side, it's a really good matchup for Boston. But once again, just a lot of blowout risk. If, if you want to stack the Celtics side of the game, Gordon Hayward is going to be back. That's going to take away some minutes from Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart, but still Gordon Hayward expected to be on that minutes restriction. I think the guys to look at from the Boston side of the game would be Kyrie Irving and Al Horford. Jason Tatum has played really well to start the year, but the price tag has gone all the way up to 7500 And still, if you, if you look at the way that he's accumulating his fantasy points right now, he's shooting, uh, what is it, 50... 3% from the field. Oh, no, not, not quite that. He's shooting 48% from the field. All his stats right now are coming from points, and his rebounding is up this year. But he's not. He's, he doesn't give many steals or blocks going back to last year. The assist numbers aren't there. So he's pretty reliant on scoring. It's 7,500. I, I think that it's a little bit of a, a stretch for me. So just Irving and Horford for the Celtics. And if you were to make a stack of this game, I would build it with the core Horford, Kyrie, and then Fournier and Isaac on the Magic side. Uh, next game on the slate, the Charlotte Hornets at the Toronto Raptors. The Raptors look like they're just going to be monsters on defense this year. I think they're going to be monsters on offense also this year. But if you look at how they started the year, they're undefeated. They, be- they beat the Celtics. I think there's a very good chance that the Raptors end up being the best team in the Eastern Conference. Uh, they're currently 10-point favorites against the Hornets. Uh, not really any interest to me from the Hornets side of the game. I don't think there's a lot of value there. From the Raptors side of the game, I think that Kyle Lowry and Kawhi Leonard are both fine for GPPs. Once again, I wouldn't play either of them in cash game due to the blowout risk. The front court situation for the Raptors has been a little tricky this year just in terms of they're rotating a ton of guys. They're trying different combinations, different starting lineups. We've seen Valanciunas start some games. We've seen Ibaka start some games. But overall, the minutes have been spread really thin. Nobody's getting a real significant amount of playing time there, which for DFS purposes at least makes it easy because unless we have a game like the other day where Kawhi Leonard's resting, we could really narrow down our Raptors' focus to only having uh, ownership of Kawhi Leonard and Kyle Lowry on on slates. And I I don't really think that there's going to be too many situations where we are going to be looking at other guys on the Raptors. So the next game on the slate, this is one of the ones with a closer point spread. The Indiana Pacers at the Minnesota Timberwolves. I think that Victor Oladipo for the Pacers is a pretty solid play at 8,200. And then also we have DeMontis Sabonis questionable to play. He missed a game the other night, which led to a really big game for Miles Turner. Turner scored 31.5 fantasy points in only 26 minutes. But the reason he only played 26 minutes wasn't because of his usual foul trouble nonsense or anything like that. He was playing really, really well. The game was just a blowout. So there was no reason for Turner to be playing extra minutes. He actually didn't step on the court in the fourth quarter. 
the Pacers ended up beating the Nets by 20. Had it been closer, I think we could have seen 40 to 50 fantasy points for Miles Turner. So he's a really strong play to me if Sabonis gets ruled out. I think there's a higher floor, higher ceiling for Turner in that uh, spot. From the Timberwolves side of the game, the they rested Jimmy. I think it's so ridiculous they rested Jimmy Butler the other day. I thought that there was a pretty good possibility that we're going to see a trade because resting somebody is so outside character of what we've seen from Tom Thibodeau the last couple years. We're like last year, he's playing all his starters 40 minutes per game, no rest games. They could be up by 25 points with two minutes left in the fourth quarter, and he's got all the starters out there, and he's calling timeouts because they gave up an easy bucket. But he decided to rest Jimmy Butler the other day. Uh, I thought that meant that we could see a trade, but it was it just ended up being a casual night of rest for him. Derrick Rose has played way better than I ever would have expected this year. But with Jimmy Butler back, I don't think we see a ton of playing time for Derrick Rose. The, uh, the last game that Butler was in there, he played 23 minutes. So if you look at the price tag at 4400 if we're only going to be getting like 22 to 26 minutes from Rose, it's hard to see him having a, a really big game in that kind of minutes. And then there's also less usage for him with Jimmy Butler back. I think that Butler is a good cash play and a good GPP play at 8,000. He's played very well this year. All the off-court stuff, all the trade rumors and all that, all the trade demand for him, it's, it's not impacted him on the court at all. When the Timberwolves are playing and he's not being rested, he shows up, he plays hard, and he's played very well. Carl uh, Anthony Towns at 8,700. I think he's fine for GPPs. I wouldn't trust him in cash games. I don't know what the deal is with the offense, but Towns has just not gotten enough touches this year. He did have a usage rating of 24 last game, got up to 16 shot attempts, but that was in part or probably mostly because Butler wasn't there. The two games prior, six shot attempts and 10 shot attempts for Towns. Now we know that he can coexist with Butler because we saw last year when he got priced all the way above 10,000 at one point in the season and spent a lot of the season kind of the uh, low 9,000 to mid 9,000 type range. So I don't doubt there's a chance that Towns could play well next to Butler because, once again, we, we've seen it happen before. We've seen him accumulate DFS points playing alongside Butler. But it just hasn't happened this year. I don't have a lot of faith in it happening on a night-to-night basis. So to me, Butler cash GPP play and then Towns just GPP. But definitely upside for him at his salary. Uh, the next game, another one with blowout risk. The Milwaukee Bucks favored by 11 points at home against the Knicks. Nobody that I really have interest in from the Knicks side of the game. The minutes have been fairly spread out. The Bucks are going to be, I think, a really good defensive team this year. Giannis, Bledsoe, Middleton, all plus defenders. Brooke Lopez, pretty solid defender in the post. Underrated. He's a better rebounder than people give him credit for. People just look at the boxer and say, like, ah, oh, he's a seven-footer. He's averaging six rebounds per game. But if you look at the entirety of of Lopez's career every team he's been on has been an above average rebounding team and every team that he's been on has a higher rebound rate with him on the floor than on the bench so I think that he's not necessarily the guy who gets the rebounds but he's an effective rebounder and overall he contributes to teams being a good rebounding team also contributes to teams being better defensively for that reason so from the buck side of the game yeah I think you could look at Middleton, Bledsoe, Giannis, all of them are okay for a GPP. I don't really love any of them, but I wouldn't say you can't play them. But with with the chance of a blowout here, and then also with the fact that I don't really like anybody to run back a stack with from the Knicks side of the game, I, I'm not. I'm, I, as of now, I'm not really sure that the Bucks are going to be in my player pool, and I, I'm going to say they're probably not going to be for this slate. 
The next game we have is actually my favorite one to stack on the slate. It's the Chicago Bulls at the Dallas Mavericks. Neither of these teams have been good defensively this year. I think the Bulls could very well be the worst defensive team in the league this year. They should get a little boost on the defensive end with Chris Dunn coming back. And I don't think we see any restrictions from Dunn. He missed the first couple games of the season, but it wasn't due to injury. It was for personal reasons. He was away because of the birth, I believe it was the birth of his son. I think that was the personal reason he was away from the team. So no injury concern here. I think we see Dunn come with no minutes restriction. 6,300. He was priced uh, pretty well above that, if I remember last year. I think he got into like the 7,000 or so range. So 6,300, I think there's plenty of upside for him, especially in a plus matchup. I think Dunn's a good play. Bobby Portis has played. Uh, surprisingly well this year. So I think that we could fire him up for GPPs and cash games. I think that he's firmly got the starting job over Jabari Parker at this point. Uh, Parker's priced down to 4,800. He's been terrible so far this year, but we know that he does have the ability to score the basketball. I don't mind him for a GPP, uh, but the strongest plays on the Bulls here, I think are Levine, Portis, and Chris Dunn. And then from the Dallas side of the game, I think we want to look at Luka Doncic, who was great in his second game, struggled a little bit his first game in the NBA. Second game, he was awesome uh, the other night, scored over 40 fantasy points. I definitely think we could look at him. And then I think Dennis Smith Jr. also makes some sense. Uh, Even though it's a good matchup for for DeAndre Jordan, he's been pressed all the way up to 8,100. So it's hard for me to really see the upside in that price tag. I think he's kind of... Like if he hits his ceiling, that's just going to be him hitting value, I think, for this matchup. So I don't think he really makes for a great play. Uh, next game, the Memphis Grizzlies at the Utah Jazz. Uh, I know I've been saying this for a lot of games. Well, oh, actually, for both of Utah's games so far, I, I really don't like to pl- roster guys against them. Uh, I know that they've had a couple of high-scoring games so far this year, but I don't expect to continue. Uh, Marcus Soul, Mike Conley, they are priced down a little bit for the matchup. But I just think there's better spots to target. And then from the Utah side also, it's a pace down game. This has a actual 219 over under, which seems high by the standards of most games uh, in that we've seen from basketball. Except it's the second lowest over under on the slate. Uh, the lowest is actually the Orlando-Boston game. So we've reached a point where 219, that's that's what we expect to be a low scoring game, a 219 over under, where I think as as recent as the end of last year, that would be like the highest projected over under for a lot of slates. So the Utah side of the game, not really a lot of interest in them for me either. Uh, this game is just going to be a fade for me, and I think probably the easiest fade on the slate for me. Uh, next game, the Washington Wizards at the Portland Trailblazers. I generally only like to roster the Washington guys when they are at home, not on the road. But Bradley Beal and Otto Porter Jr. both priced down a little bit here. Uh, 7000 for Beal, uh, uh, 5600 for Otto Porter. I think both of them are fine for GPPs. I think they're fine for cash games. Uh, John Wall at 8900 I think that's a little bit too much for me to pay for him on the road in a fairly tough matchup against Portland, who defended point guards well last year. So John Wall is not going to be in my player pool. And from the Portland side of the game, I think that Damian Lillard at 8,600 is a solid play for GPPs and cash games. Generally, I like to narrow down my player pool to either Lillard or McCollum. Uh, I think they're both cheap enough, though, that we could play either one of them. Like, we've seen McCollum, some of these slates, be priced up like 7,000 plus. And 
last year, a lot of times we would see Lillard in like the 9,000 range, McCollum in the mid-7,000 range. So with Lillard at 8,600 and McCollum at 6,500, I think that McCollum and Lillard are both okay to roster. Uh, Al Farouk Aminu at 4,600, I think that he's fine as a value play. There aren't a ton of cheap guys that I like as of right now, so I think that makes Aminu a little bit more viable. We know that he's locked into a pretty secure role, so I like the price tag on him. Uh, Jusuf Nurkic is typically a good GPP play, but the minutes just haven't been there for him so far this year. We've always seen variance in terms of his playing time due to fouls in the past, but this year I think with a lot of teams just playing smaller in general, it's kind of made it difficult for Nurkic to find playing time, just 23 minutes, 17 minutes in the first two games of the season. So no thanks on Nurkic for me, but I think there are going to be spots where we could use Nurkic and you know, actually, I'm going to take that back. Here's here's where we might want to use Nurkic as a GPP play. Dwight Howard's missed the first couple of games. We don't know if he's going to be active or not tomorrow. If Dwight Howard starts, then I think we're going to see Nurkic forced to play more minutes to match up against Dwight Howard. So if Dwight Howard ends up playing, then I think Nurkic is viable as a GPP play. If Howard is out, then I wouldn't have Nurkic in my player pool at all. Uh, the next game is the Spurs at the Lakers. From the Spurs side of the game... LaMarcus Aldridge, DeMar DeRozan. Let's see what the shot breakdown has been for these guys. Uh, DeRozan, 33 and 31% usage ratings last couple of games. This is going to be a really pace-up matchup. The Lakers have played at a ridiculous pace to start the season. And let's see, what do we have? 28% usage for Aldridge in his first game of the season. Then went down to 15 in his second game. I think his usage is going to take a bit of a hit this year. Last year, he was really the only guy to take shots in the offense. But now that we have DeRozan in the mix, I think we see his usage take a step back from what it was last year. I don't think it's going to go to like zero or anything like that. But I think that DeRozan and Aldridge are probably both going to have usage ratings in kind of like the mid to high 20 range. For this particular matchup, just because the pace is so high, I like Aldridge. I like DeRozan. I also like Rudy Gay at 5,500, who doesn't seem bothered by the heel injury that he came into the season with anymore. Played 27 minutes last game, uh, 24 minutes the first game when he was on like a light minutes restriction. I think we see the playing time continue to rise. So I do think we get 30 plus minutes from Rudy Gay going forward. Uh, Maybe not necessarily Monday night, but I do think it's in the cards. And at 5,500 and a really pace up matchup, I think that he is a sensible option. Uh, Aldridge, DeRozan, Gay, all fine plays for me from the Spurs side. Now, from the Lakers' side, this is a tough matchup for them against the Spurs. However, as I said at the top of the show, we have Brandon Ingram suspended. We have Rajon Rondo suspended. That opens up a lot of playing time and a lot of value in the Lakers' offense, even though the matchup is not ideal. We don't know what the starting lineup is going to be this far out, but I would assume that Lonzo Ball starts at point guard. The only reason that might not happen is because he had that knee surgery in the offseason. They're trying to bring him along slow to start the year. But if we see no restrictions for Alonzo Ball, great play at 5,500. Kyle Kuzma, big role for him. I think he's a great play at 5,500. Josh Hart at 5,100. I think he's fine. There's a possibility we get Lance Stevenson in the starting lineup. He would be a great value at 3,800. And then LeBron is kind of matchup proof. He's fine for any matchup. But this is a spot where we just need to pay attention. What is the starting lineup going to look like for the Lakers? Is there going to be a minutes restriction for Lonzo Ball? And then I think we could really plug these guys into a lot of game stacks with a couple of those Spurs players. We could play them in cash games. Uh, there's going to be a lot of value on the Lakers. Definitely going to be a team we want to target. Now, last game on the slate, we have the Warriors at home against the Phoenix Suns. The Warriors are currently favored by 13 points. 
I don't think the spread is high enough. I think that there's a very good chance that the Warriors just smash the Suns tonight. This is the tail end of a back-to-back for the Warriors, except it's a home-and-home. Home. Oh, no, it's, it's a, uh, a way and home But generally, if the tail end of a back-to-back is a home game as opposed to a road game with travel, there isn't quite as big of an effect on a basketball team as opposed to it being a road-and-road game, if that makes sense. I don't know if I explained that pop properly. But with that said, I think we can stack this game because if it does happen to stay close, there's going to be a million points scored in this game, 228.5 uh, total so far. That is the high, uh, right now, that is the highest on the slate. From the Phoenix side of the game, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Trevor Reza, I think that they're all fine for game stacks. From the Warriors side of the game, we could go to any of the big four. We could use Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson. I think we're all fine plays. Klay Thompson's really cheap at 5,600. Uh, but once again, no cash games for these guys, only GPP. We see this for a lot of Warriors home games. They just run up, they'll end up running up the score on a lot of teams. Not not saying like they do anything uh, like against the unwritten rules or whatever they may be, because I don't really give a shit about those. But just they're so much better than a lot of teams that they end up winning by like 20, 30 points when they're playing at home, and then we just don't see the starters in the fourth quarter. There's slightly less risk to Clay Thompson in those situations than the other guys on the Warriors. The reason being that when there is generally blowouts, Clay Thompson usually starts the fourth quarter anyway, just to kind of make sure it doesn't get too out of hand. And then if the game does get a little closer, the Warriors will bring in the other guys. But usually at least for the first few minutes of the fourth quarter, even like a 20-25 point game, we'll see Clay Thompson out there by himself. So he's actually my favorite play of any of the Warriors guys. Uh, and actually... Maybe I would even consider Clay Thompson a cash game because 5600 is really cheap for him, and there aren't, as I said before, not a ton of really cheap guys that I like for the slate. So that will wrap up the podcast. You go follow me on Twitter at GEarenbergDFS. Uh, just a three-game slate for Tuesday, so a little unsure if I'll record a podcast for that one or not. Uh, I guess it depends if there's value or stuff to talk about. So I'll be back either for Tuesday slate or Wednesday.